Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Daily Tax News. I'm your host, Drew Cobble, joined by tax expert Taylor Atkinson. Taylor, say hi. Hey, hey, bro. How you doing? <laughs> we are sitting out here at a beautiful Louder Hall. It's a beautiful 84-degree Thursday afternoon, um, and we're excited to talk about some taxes for y'all. So without further ado, today's topic is the Fair Tax Act. Um, we kind of want to interview Taylor, pick his mind about the Fair Tax Act, uh, figure out what it is, uh, how it came to be, and then hopefully dive into some pros and cons and uh, some general discussion about it. Um, let's get into it. First things first, Taylor, what is the Fair Tax Act? So the Fair Tax Act is a bill currently be trying to be passed in Congress. That what they want to do is they want to replace the income, payroll, state, gift tax with just a universal sales tax effectively making it to where everybody pays on goods that they buy switching from how much money you make as a tax base to more of a tax base of consumption interesting so it would be a sales tax instead of income payroll state and gift taxes yes and essentially it's going to be a 23 percentage tax okay so how how do we calculate that 23 percent so it's 23% if you go ahead and you add that into the inclusive tax price. It's like, for example, if you purchase a $100 product, then you'd pay, but let me scratch that actually. If it's a 23% tax, if you go ahead and add it into the inclusive tax price, but it's actually more of a 30% tax. So for example, if you're going to purchase a $100 product, and then you'd pay $30 in the tax, making it $130. But if you went ahead and counted the uh, t- the actual price of the good is one thirty, then twenty three percent of one thirty is thirty dollars, making it a twenty three percent tax. Which is kind of one of the things that a lot of the opponents are up in arms about is that it's actually thirty percent, even though they say it's only twenty three percent. Right, right. So uh, the advocates for it like to call it the twenty three percent tax, but the critics are like, hey, it's not really twenty three. Um, it's more like 30. So. Precisely. Right. Okay. Um, that brings me to my next question. Um, I'm really curious about, you know, in our current tax brackets, we have progressive tax rates where, you know, the higher um, income you earn, the higher your tax rate is going to be. Is this 23 or 30, depending on how you want to view it? Is this the same tax rate for all income levels? Um, and if so... Is there going to be a way to kind of level the playing field for those at lower income levels? So that yes, it is actually just the same tax rate for all income, all income levels. Which is another thing critics have mentioned is that it's more of a regressive tax. Whereas we're on a progressive tax scale, we've gone to a regressive tax with this bill. But they are also, but in order to kind of help out families below the poverty line and they're near it. We've, they're issuing a rebate system called the Family Consumption Allowance that will be granted to each household worth the amount of the national sales tax paid on goods and services up to the poverty level. So effectively, this is going to exempt your households that are at or below the poverty level or the poverty line from the tax. Like, for example, if we base off the 2023 poverty guidelines, a single person household was, would receive a $279 monthly rebate. Okay. So it seems like they do have 
um, a measure in place to help make it more progressive than just 23% across the field. They do, but a lot of, uh, but the problem with it is a lot of people, especially critics, are kind of going with, we're like giving people a universal basic income at this point. Okay. Which a lot of people argue that's kind of similar to socialism or communism, that aspect. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I think for a lot of listeners, this may be the first time that they've heard about the Fair Tax Act. However, however, other listeners might uh, recall hearing about this in the past. Um, so just to be clear, this is not the first time that we've seen the uh, Fair Tax Act. And uh, can you kind of go into the origins of the Fair Tax Act and how it came to be and why it's now relevant again? I can't actually. So the Fair Tax Act was originally introduced back in the 90, back in 1999 by, a, by then Congressman, it was John Linder. He was a Republican from Georgia. And it has since been introduced in each new Congress, but it's only gathered, garnered a small number of co-sponsors and it's never really moved out the committee phase. It also received attention in the presidential campaigns. The most prominent one, though, was back in 08. But the reason now it's come up so heavily and it's hit very hard is that it's become part of the deliberations over the House speakership with Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the Republican from California, reportedly committed to holding a House floor vote on the Fair Tax Act as introduced by Representative Earl Buddy Carter. It would be the first time the proposal has been given a floor vote, and it could happen sometime this year. So really, right now, the bill's more of being kind of used than as a political tool in that aspect with the speaker race. Interesting. So, as a tax expert, do you think that the fact that it is sort of being used as a political tool discredits the merit of the bill itself? I See, that's the thing about it is it kind of does in a way, but also it's the only way that I could see something like this being passed. I mean, taxes are always used as a political tool. Right. Every time somebody comes into office or tries to get elected, they go, oh, we're going to cut taxes or we're going to tax the rich more. We're going to tax the poor less. Like, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like taxes and politic and political motives go hand in hand at this point. Right. Okay. Um... So I'm sure the listeners are uh, dying to know, what are some of the advantages of this bill? So some of the advantages are, I mean, the first one and the most obvious is going to be the simplicity of it. I mean, I'm sure everybody just loves when tax time rolls around. you got to fill out 17 different tax forms and documents for the IRS. Oh, I know. I love it. About what you need. I mean, you got to go through and you got to have a whole book with it. I mean, you probably have to go pay somebody else to do your taxes for you, don't you? I mean, you don't because we're on a you know, nice little podcast here. But Yeah, because we're experts. <laughs> but, you know, that would be one of the things. It would just be sales tax. You don't have to worry about your income tax being taken out. You would make, and since you don't have to worry about it, you'd actually get more on each paycheck because you're not losing that FICA and the income tax. Right. So it makes it much simpler for individuals. Makes now, it- I have heard that it can make it, more complicated for small businesses would that be the case it could for small businesses but that's not necessarily because of tax what the way taxes work but it's more of the way goods and services work okay if i'm having to pay more to buy if you're having to if a customer's having to buy more or pay more for a good they're going to buy less it's kind of going to kill you know your small business like your mom and pop stores which don't have the massive financial reserves like a walmart has right 
because Walmart can sell for a little bit of a loss because they'll get the money back some other way. Right. Whereas Jim and Sal and Sally, they can't do that. They only mm-hmm. got their own finances to worry about. Um, so what are some other advantages? Um, you will disband the IRS is one of the proponents of it, which will, while it will give less jobs out there, the thing is though it will also open up more opportunities for the field because each different you'll have to set up more agencies in order to deal with each different state's tax so you have to go from having the one irs which is over everything you have to do everything to well there will be 51 different agencies so the burden would then fall on the individual states to collect it would which would the states be compensated in any way for that or are they left to fend for themselves in collecting these taxes so the states would be but the thing is, they're only getting like zero point point zero two five percent of that num of that twenty three percent though, mm-hmm. which leads into this other issue of a lot of people are, are a lot of the problem is that that twenty three percent that they are saying it is or that or thirty percent debate or depending on how you want to look at it leads into this fact of that might that's not even enough money that won't even break even as what's normally taken in taxes now. They're talking about you might have to go up to, all the way up to 48% with this wow. bill in order to cut the break even. So that seems like a clear disadvantage to this bill. It is, but but another kind of thing with it too is it's also going to benefit the wealthy more so than the lower classes. Right. Because it's more on consumption, whereas with our current one, you know, you get taxed based off what you make. Mm-hmm. The more money you make, the more obviously you have to pay in taxes. Granted, now it switches to more of a, the more you buy, the more you have to pay in taxes. Right. Which, to the, you know, the lower income family, so lower middle class families, that's like, oh, we go to the store, we go buy a gallon of milk, which we we have to go to the grocery store every week, so we have to buy things every week. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody that's, you know, very high up in a, a CEO of like Walmart. They don't have to really go buy any of their things from the store because they own the store. Right. They can just take what they need and just, you know, walk off. Yeah. And just walk off the shelf with it, basically. All right, Taylor. One more question before we close it out. I want to touch on everybody's favorite topic when it comes to taxes, um, and that's tax evasion. How would this um, Fair Tax Act affect tax evasion? So, funnily enough, this actually would cut down on all tax crime. Interesting. Because the main way that tax crime happens, for example, is lying on the IRS forms and not reporting income and changing your books. But the thing is, if everybody has to go buy goods and everybody has to pay this money on everything that they use, then they can't really falsely report that. Now, can they? And another thing that people have, another thing that this actually affects too is money gained from illegal activities. Like, for example, and this isn't to everybody, when a drug dealer sells sells drugs and stuff, that income is not taxed because it's, it's illegal income. We don't know that he's gotten it. But if he, he has to go to the store and buy things, though, so therefore the money that he made doing that illegal activity is still reported as ta- is still taxed, mm-hmm. which is, yes, that's a very uncommon, you know, way to do it, but it is... It is a kind of an advantage in a weird sort of convoluted way, though. Right. 
All right. I think that's all we had to cover today about the Fair Tax Act. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Daily Tax News. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Drew. It's been a pleasure, Taylor. We'll see you guys next time.